0: Thank you. Tales of the Strange and Unsettling.
1: This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 11, Stardust Ranch. Nearly an hour west of the busy streets of Phoenix, Arizona... Rainbow Valley is a lightly populated and unincorporated community spread wide across the supine sands and stagnant scrub brush of western Arizona. Hemmed in on all sides by the ranges of the Phoenix Mountains, this prosaic parcel boasts one of the least polluted views of the night sky available today. Maybe it is the lack of light pollution, or the stodgy and sometimes spiritless surroundings that have residents almost constantly looking up. According to one local couple, the situation here in this sleepy settlement is something far more insidious than most would acknowledge or even believe. In the late afternoon of September 12, 1996, John Edmonds decided he was finished moving furniture and emptying boxes for the day. He stopped by the kitchen for an ice-cold beer and found a seat on the porch that overlooked most of the newly acquired and sprawling 10-acre Stardust Ranch. John had fallen in love with the property immediately upon visiting. The impressive acreage and two horse corrals would allow him to fulfill a lifelong dream. He had always wanted to create a place where neglected and injured horses could be rehabilitated. Now, with the acquisition of their new home, this dream could be realized. Leaning back in his rocking chair and putting his feet up on the railing, He had just begun to relax for the first time in hours when he noticed meaningful movement in the brush near the edge of his property. He watched, somewhat unnerved, as a man walked through the tree line and began moving intently toward the house. No guests were expected, and certainly no one that would be approaching the homestead on foot. Already nervous about the look of him, When John noticed that the man was carrying something long and metal, he sat his beer on the railing and rushed into the house to retrieve his pistol. Wanting to give his unwanted visitor plenty of warning, he stepped down off his porch, carrying the firearm openly, and began striding toward him. It occurred to John that this may have something to do with an issue that had occurred with some of the previous occupant's belongings. A few days earlier, when John and his wife Joyce had first used their keys, they unexpectedly found that their home was still filled with old furnishings and decor. This was not a few things here and there that the previous owners may have left behind due to inconvenience or ambivalence. This looked to them as if someone had left in a hurry. Blankets were draped over beds, flatware still in drawers, and even toothbrushes placed in cups on the bathroom sink they immediately reached out to their real estate agent for an explanation. The agent apologized and promised that given an extra day, they would contact the former occupants and have the home emptied entirely for them. When John came back the following morning, he did find an empty house, but bizarrely everything that filled the house the day before had been broken into pieces and dumped into the empty pool in the backyard. When John called the agent back, Enraged by the additional work that had been created for him, the agent had no idea what he was talking about. They claimed that they had reached out to the previous owner, but had not heard anything from them. On the third day, his patients ran out. He arranged to have a company come and remove the mess from his property. He hadn't given it another thought until the man showed up in the front yard. The two men approached, stopping just short of five feet from each other. John immediately noticed a strong, sour smell coming from the man, who was dressed in torn-up army fatigues. He immediately assumed that he was dealing with some kind of drunk or vagrant. His messy hair and nearly vacant stare made John nervous, but it was the rusted old machete at his side that kept his hand on the revolver. When the tension came to a near boiling point, the stranger finally spoke in a startling, raspy whisper. He claimed to have been employed by the previous owners. Still unsure of the grizzled geezer's intentions, John held firm to his revolver and explained that the property had changed hands. He motioned toward the rusted machete and asked what it was for. The simple and nonchalantly delivered response would prove to foreshadow the turmoil lurking just beyond the next corner of Edmonds' life. The ragged ranger stared directly into his eyes and replied with four words that John would play back in his head every night in bed. It's for killing monsters john didn't know what to think he took two steps back from the man and tried to laugh it off he explained that the property would no longer be in need of a monster hunter monster free zone here go ahead and find your way out he chuckled as he walked back to the porch the man turned and began to walk away from the house muttering about how john would be sorry all the while As Edmonds watched him walk across the field and back through the tree line on the far side of the property, he realized that at some point, he had broken out in a cold sweat. The next six weeks went exactly as planned. They made their business known to the area, and it wasn't long before locals and animal control from around the state began bringing horses in need of care to their ranch. The location turned out to work perfectly for their needs. Rural enough to allow for adequate space but close enough to Phoenix for supplies to never be out of reach. The only issue that they encountered initially was what they assumed to be a damaged phone line. After scheduling and being stood up for four separate appointments for service with the phone company, John began to suspect that the property may have a reputation that they were not made aware of. Finally, he drove to the phone company and lodged a formal complaint. This action finally resulted in one rushed appearance from a phone line repairman. The repairman made his nervous rush so obvious that John insisted he explain his urgency. Never stopping the work, the anxious attendant explained that the ranch was cursed. This was common knowledge to everyone living in the area, and they did all that they could to avoid ever having to set foot on the property very soon it was made obvious to john that this avoidance did not extend to all residents of rainbow valley as the sun rose over the eastern border of stardust ranch john made his morning rounds checking fence rows and holding pens and scheduling his work for the day it wasn't long before he noticed some obvious damage to several spots in the fence of the corral he was baffled by the extent of the damage At least ten of the fence posts had been ripped from the ground and twisted into near pretzels. He was confused considering these posts were buried in a fence row not 100 yards from his bedroom window. He didn't understand how this kind of damage could be done without alerting him or his wife. Unfortunately, this bit of miraculous mischief would not be the end of vandalism on the ranch. Over the next several weeks, the frequency and damage done during these incidents would get significantly worse. In addition, he began waking in the night to intensely loud, monotone humming. He would race out the back door with a spotlight, but could never identify a possible source. This constantly increasing chaos came to a climax some weeks later with the incomprehensible demise of a horse that they had just taken in the previous day. John had gotten into the habit of touring the grounds around the homestead first thing every morning. He was a man with a self-proclaimed iron stomach but what he saw in the nearby horse corral that morning made him thankful that he hadn't eaten breakfast yet. The horse lay just 30 feet from the front door. It had been strangled to death with a heavy iron fence post. The inch-thick iron had been bent and warped around the horse's thickly muscled neck. As John sat pondering what could possibly have created such carnage, Joyce finally revealed that she had felt like she was being watched since the day they moved in. The feeling had been getting worse over the last few weeks and was reaching the point where it was nearly unbearable. She had even started noticing shadow figures in her peripheral vision, following her throughout the house. John attempted to rationalize the situation. He insisted that what she was experiencing was an obvious sign of exhaustion and restlessness brought on by the rash of vandalism. While he could explain away these shadow figures... To say that the bizarre death of this horse set him on edge would be an understatement. In an attempt to shore up the defenses of their home, he began stashing weapons in carefully planned locations all over the home. The next five weeks were peaceful. No vandalism, no humming, no more dead horses. John took this as a sign that he had handled the situation correctly. But it would not be long before this entire situation took a sharp turn toward the terrifying... Well over a month after the initial incidents, John lay in bed restless, unable to fall asleep. He stared across the dark room when suddenly the shadows on the far wall began to bend and wobble. He quickly wrote it off as a trick of the eyes and raised his hand to rub them. As the phosphenic light show on his eyelids faded, he realized that the modulating darkness across from him had coalesced into a trio of dense black figures. Fight or flight did not kick in. John felt as though he were glued to the bed as the sinister shapes ignored him entirely and approached his wife, who slept peacefully next to him in bed. He felt the sweat pouring down his face. He struggled with all of his might just to raise his index finger from its place on the bed sheet. As one of the figures leaned what appeared to be its head down near the face of his sleeping wife, he felt his body fill with a fury that he had never known. As soon as his finger lifted from the bed... He felt as though he'd been launched from a slingshot. He roared into action, jumping from the bed and grabbing the Louisville Slugger from between the bed and the bedside table. He bounded across the space and around the bed, swinging the bat wildly in the direction of these pernicious prowlers. On the third swing, he felt and heard the Maple Club connect with the head of the nearest creeper with a sickening squelch. Something between a deafening scream and a high-pitched hum suddenly filled the room, nearly bringing John to his knees and the gloomy ghouls vanished before his eyes. As the ringing in his ears faded, he realized that Joyce had awoken and was obviously confused about him standing over her with a baseball bat while she slept. He dropped the bat and explained what had just happened in their bedroom. She insisted that they call the police. A brief assessment of the property by law enforcement yielded no evidence to support John's claims of a trio of inky intruders. In fact, the police found the numerous caches of weapons scattered about the property much more interesting, and as so often happens in these cases, dismissal of the situation by the police seemed to serve as fuel for the Fortean fire. These fights for he and his wife's lives quickly became a weekly occurrence. Edmonds became obsessed with the possibility of attack, and would spend his evening watching over Joyce while she slept. He began to hear the low humming every night and had determined that it was coming from somewhere on the western side of the property. On more than one occasion, while this humming was at its peak, he saw through the window what he described as a portal opening up in the night sky, floating vertical white disks of light that would fill the surrounding darkness with illumination. Eventually, he began seeing indescribable aircrafts and light orbs, coming and going through the portals that would immediately close and vanish from existence. On more than one occasion, John reported seeing what appeared to be military aircraft chasing these crafts and orbs. He became convinced that the powers that be were fully aware of the situation that he and his wife were living with. Throughout this time, break-ins by these baneful burglars continued on a near-nightly basis. Over time, he began to learn about their habits and tactics. At nearly four feet tall with freezing cold, coal-black skin, they always stayed in packs of three and moved freely through solid objects, namely closed doors and locked windows. On several occasions, Edmonds was forced to resort to all-out violence. He would defend himself and his wife using everything from knives and screwdrivers to clubs and on one occasion even fired a few shots at them. When wounded, the creatures bled a liquid that was something akin to brake fluid. The Edmonds had several dogs on the property, and they were fascinated by these entities. Once during a particularly high point of the property's activity, their Rottweiler began chasing a group across the front yard. It caught up with them and sunk its teeth into the leg of the slowest in the group. The creature shrieked and vanished into thin air. In a tragic turn of events, the dog started choking soon after and died later that evening. The Edmonds lost a total of four dogs to similar situations, and the suffering of animals was not limited to their pets. Over the first decade of their residency there, they would have more than 15 occasions of horse mutilation. In the hours just before sunrise, John and Joyce often saw what they came to refer to as burrillo men, These hulking hellions that resembled something like the living silhouette of a Sasquatch skulked the perimeters of their property. They seemed to survey various other paranormal activities. Neither resident of the ranch ever had the urge or bravery to approach one of these enormous entities. While John tried his very best, it was impossible for him to play the sentinel perpetually. And while he made quite the effort, often staying awake for periods of time that most would bulk at, He did, on occasion, fall out from absolute fatigue. On one of these occasions, he collapsed to sleep in the armchair facing his wife who was asleep in their bed. At some point in the night, he woke suddenly, his body filled with adrenaline. Even with the paranormal hellscape that had become his day to day, what he saw when his eyes snapped open would be burned into his psyche for decades to come. Though his wife remained asleep... She was floating some three feet above the bed, arms dangling at her sides. She was almost entirely enveloped by a near-blinding white light coming in through the open window. As she began floating toward the source of light, John broke into action. He retrieved his rifle from behind the wardrobe and raced toward the open window. He expected to feel heat as he intersected the beam of light and vaulted through the opening, but was surprised to find that the air was nearly freezing. He couldn't see what the source of light was but he aimed at it and unloaded an entire magazine into it over the automatic fire of the weapon he heard bullets impacting something metal but the light continued to hold his helpless wife uninterrupted now frustrated as well as terrified he ejected the magazine and reloaded he began firing again near the end of the second clip the light began to flicker and then vanished fighting the lasting gleam of gunfire and otherworldly illumination in his eyes he struggled to focus on the source of the light but saw a dark figure rush straight up into the sky and through a portal above their home rushing back into the house john found his wife crumpled in the corner of their bedroom sobbing shadow creatures and sightings in the sky had been one thing but this attempted abduction shook them both to the core they agreed that from now on they would handcuff themselves to the bed frame while sleeping. Try as they might, this did not stop a new phenomenon from entering their lives. Soon after this event, they both began to experience periods of missing time, time that ranged from a few minutes to more than a day. Often when waking, they would discover unexplainable injuries on various parts of their bodies. These included what looked like fully healed deep wounds, as if they had been inflicted months ago. At this point, the Edmonds were at their wits' end. John reached out to the media in a plea for assistance from anyone who may be willing and able to help them remove or manage this chaos that had overtaken their lives. Over the next few months, he began to do interviews on both radio and television. He invited research teams and ufologists to visit the ranch. Nothing helped. The level of daily activity would ebb and flow, but it never stopped. John and Joyce spent 20 years enduring this until they finally threw in the towel. It was the fall of 2016 when they officially sold the ranch and moved away. And locals still say that unexplained lights and odd figures can be seen on a frequent basis if you're paying attention to the view of Stardust Ranch.
0: Welcome, campers, to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling, We're your hosts... I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. And now, The Debrief. So first of all, they stayed there for 20 years. 20 years. Like, why the fuck would they do that?
1: Dude, I don't... This, I mean, it was their dream home, I guess. It was their I dream
0: home, but the fact that he's having to fight off, obviously, aliens. every yeah, on a like, weekly basis. Right, yeah. Most nights... And I mean, even waking up in the middle of his wife, basically being abducted, being pulled in a fucking like beam like that to me is is nuts. Like, why would they why would they continue
1: to endure that? That to me is just baffling. Yeah. He John Edmonds claims that over the 20 years they were there that he killed 18 of the shadow creatures. Eighteen. 18. So
0: what, what did he do with the bodies? Did they just disappear? They vanish. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I know you mentioned a lot of them, especially any that he like came in contact with or, uh, you know, hit with his bat or shot or whatever else, like were able to escape into their portal or whatever. Um, yep. but yeah, that's, that's crazy. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, 18. that's almost
1: one a year. I mean, yeah.
0: So unfortunately they disappeared though because that'd be a lot of uh, that could be some evidence that he could have been like look this is what's happening.
1: Yeah. Now as far as evidence goes, in 2013 he actually did turn in he sent a tissue sample and a sample of the fluid like he said that the when they bled it was something fluid,
0: like fluid,
1: yeah. Yeah. So, he sent some of that fluid and what he called a tissue sample into a biologist, William Levengood. Okay. So, they found that the tissue sample was unlike anything that had ever been examined before. Of course. Right. Okay. Standard answer. Right. But the fluid was weird. It was 90% chlorophyll. So, it's like... And apparently, that's like a substance that's known to ufologists because it's I mean I know what chlorophyll is but this specific right. blend this like 90% chlorophyll fluid is found apparently at like the vast majority of cattle mutilations. Okay. They find the same fluid. That makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, since they had so many cattle mutilations. But the yeah, super and- weird thing about the biologist. So, he was like the biologist became convinced Right. Like, and they formed a plan together that they were going to like, he, the biologist was going to reach out to the rest of the scientific community and like make his results known and all that. Okay. And then John didn't hear back from him for a while. when he tried to get in contact with him, he found out that he died. Okay. Well, that's convenient. Yeah. So the biologist dies And then three days after the biologist died, his entire lab burnt to the ground. Of course it did. (laughs) Yeah, filled with all the samples. Huh. And less than two months after he died, his wife, who was also a molecular biologist, died. Well, that's not
0: shady or anything. Right? (laughs) Obviously, somebody's out there trying to prevent anybody from finding anything out.
1: And that was the craziest part of the story for me, that like Yeah,
0: that's and that was the only person that literally would believe his story or like actually I buy mean, into what was going on.
1: Who would give it any like any validity? Right. You know, like to back him up scientifically. Yeah. Did he ever try reaching out to like any
0: other like any other biologists or anything like that to like especially after that guy happened to mysteriously die. I mean, yeah, I
1: think um, I think he had the last of his samples when his lab burned down. Really? That was in 2013. So that was just like three years before they finally gave up and moved out.
0: And yet they still stayed there for 20 years. That yeah, that doesn't make any sense at all like i mean years. especially and you said it was what they had roughly uh, i think it was 15 occasions of their horses being mutilated yeah um so that's one thing right that's literally just one thing i mean the dude wakes up in the middle of the night and his wife is levitating over the bed that's yeah. another that's just a separate incident Many other occasions, he sees these figures randomly disappearing into a portal, seeing quote-unquote spaceships or flying objects flying in yeah. and out of these portals, seeing military craft, like, chasing, chasing you know, them. D- So, I mean, if it were me, and I fucking love the idea of, of, of first of all, being abducted, Um, (laughs) and aliens, I think it's fantastic, but given that situation, giving that entire scenario, I mean, no, dude, I would be, I would be out. Like I think that would be enough to make any sane, normal person tap out. Just yeah. Instantly. I mean him waking up to see his wife floating above the bed. That would have been the last straw for me. Oh, yeah. I'm like, that's nope, it. fuck that's this. Yep, yep, I'm
1: done. I'm done. Yep. All right. Yeah. Fuck sleeping while you're handcuffed to the bed. No, you no, just sleep th- th- somewhere that's else. That's so
0: stupid to me because, I mean, at the same time, like, I was thinking, like, they're, they're staying handcuffed to the bed. Why not pull both? Take the whole fucking bed. Like, right. what is that going to do? That's not going to do Nothing. anything at all. <laughs> that's so silly. And also, I mean, if they wanted to, I'm sure they could break those cuffs. They could pick the lock. They could probably oh, yeah. do some hoodoo voodoo magic that aliens do, and just and still they're straight through them. Yeah. Right. So, like, I don't understand any type of rationalization in that thought process at all. Like it's to me, that's just them, like, so applying, dumb.
1: It's like them applying normal, like, terrestrial. Right, but they were obviously not dealing with that, though. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, (laughs) Yeah. yeah, that that just that made me laugh a little bit. Just yeah, it's pretty silly. So, like the also the previous owner came out after he did. Okay, and her name was Gina Irons. She said that like she also encountered ghostly figures walking through the house, like shadow figures. And that she always knew when they were coming because the temperature in the room would like plummet right before. So, she are we
0: dealing them. with ghosts? Are we dealing with aliens? Or was she dealing with maybe something more ghostly? Like, because I mean, his a uh, John story. First of all, it's definitely alien. You're I right, mean, it's that's very,
1: very obvious. It's very evident. So that's what I think. I I think I think aliens, but. That brings up a good question because, you know, resident paranormal frat boy Zach Baggins came in there. Of course he did. Yeah, in 2015. <laughs> in 2015 he came in. Okay, so they captured while they were there. They were there for a week. Okay. On Stardust Ranch, they like camped out. It's actually a pretty solid episode.
0: I, I'm gonna have to uh, check it out. Like it, yeah. it actually they actually aired the
1: episode too. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. They spent I'll a have to find out. They captured unexplained lights, strange figures moving around the property, and one of the crew members woke to find unexplained bruises on his arm. So um just like every but, other Ghost Adventures episode. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Uh, who would have thought? Weird. Like, I'm pretty sure Zach Baggins is just back there, like, punching his crew in the arm when the cameras aren't on. (laughs) I'm assuming he also got
0: deathly ill and felt like he was being possessed at some point. (laughs) Probably. That's what he does. that's, That's normal Zach Baggins, you know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, like, their conclusion was that it wasn't extraterrestrial because that wouldn't fit the theme of their show. Okay. Um... So, their conclusion was that it was demonic forces pretending to be aliens. Oh, man. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> no.
0: So, and was, their reasoning. I was reasoning, jokingly going to say but, they probably thought it was some demon or something. But, yeah, exactly. No way. Oh, my <clears>
1: God. Okay, so their reasoning for this was when they would read prayers and Bible verses, the activity would stop. That's what they based it on entirely. That's some pretty damn solid evidence though. I know, right? Like,
0: I mean, that's like that's legit <laughs> science. It <laughs> maybe and this is this is my theory, you know. Now that now, now that we're you know coming out with it. I'm going to assume this alien race uh, I I want to say we're dealing with aliens. Sure. It's obviously nothing else. I mean, you know, obviously I like
1: aliens for this. I
0: I think it fits perfectly. So maybe they were just like, man, these fucking guys. Like, they think this is going to scare us away. Like, let's just fuck with them. Let's fuck with them. You know, they're spouting off this random bullshit. Like, you know, like, we know it's not real. We know, you know. But maybe 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 that's all it was. Maybe they were fucking with them. Or maybe it was just like, it was something they just didn't really care about them. Sure. Like as a group, maybe they they weren't there for them. They were there for you know, the people that lived in the house, John and his wife. Or yeah. John's wife specifically. Like right. they didn't really Apparently. seem to give a shit about him. Like it was <laughs> no, they it were was very the wife interested that in Joyce. Right. Yeah. And it's always the wife and the children. Like that's in and, and any type of abduction and things like that. Generally always the wife and the children. Yeah. I mean, fucking any paranormal case, you know, whether it yeah, be yeah, aliens, too. demonic possession, things like that, generally the women and the children, like, I don't know what it is about them. Yeah. Maybe they're just more susceptible to it or maybe they're just more, uh, I, I don't know, easier to manipulate or or something. But
1: yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, that's crazy I can, though. I can picture the alien like... You think we came a thousand light years across the universe to be scared off by a grown man that uses hair gel?
0: (laughs) It goes a little spiky. It also kind of talks like this because he's Zach Baggins. Exactly. Okay, so no no diss to anybody that likes Ghost Adventures or anything that Zach Baggins does. Sure. I appreciate the show. I do. Yeah. I just, he is overly, overly absurd and obnoxious. That's all I'm getting at.
1: He's just super aggro and it annoys Uh, me.
0: Very much. Yeah. He's just very, just, he plays it off too much, I think is the problem.
1: I think he's probably a way nicer guy in person. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he is. For sure. Yeah. So super interesting though. In 2016, after John moved out, after John and Joyce left, or no, it was as they were leaving because in the interview you can see like boxes that okay. they're like they're packed up. Right? He does. He did an interview with the Camelot Project. I'm not. I don't know a ton about them, but they're like they I don't, do some. I
0: don't know if I'm quite familiar with that.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure a lot, but they do like you know things in this realm. Um, but they did an interview, and during the interview, you can see in the video. In the background, a small gray figure, like, peeks out from behind the corner in the house. And, like, you just get, like, a glimpse of it. And they didn't even notice it during the interview until they were, like, editing the interview was when they caught it.
0: So that one was a small gray, but they described these as, uh, what? Being, like, five five foot or four feet tall, cold black skin, basically just being just dark figures. Yeah, I mean, unless just it is just too dark to really see like any type of skin complexion or anything like that. Sure, um, you know, so I'll buy
1: that. I'll buy it for sure. Yeah, it's the footage is pretty cool. We'll for sure be posting it. Awesome. But like it's yeah, it's quick, but it's it's pretty convinced. It looks humanoid. Like you just get kind of the edge of it, but just like the way it moves, it's pretty. I'm pretty convinced it isn't just like. It isn't just, like, a coat moving or something. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, yeah it looks alive. Awesome. Well, that's... Uh, so, just to make sure,
0: it's not like you're super very, like, uh, think of, of the movie Signs. Like, you know, the alien passing by the window on the birthday party. It's not like anything no. like that. Just very overly, like... Um, I, I don't even know the word for it. But like machiny to no. me, it
1: was like yeah. Okay. You don't even get a lot of movement, really. It just like edges out from around the corner and then goes back. Okay. Like it's, it's kind it's of more fluid, quick. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, when they had moved in,
0: uh the previous owners, all the basically all their stuff was still there. Um, even down to, I mean, their beds being turned over, like literally, I mean, it sounds like it was probably a fully furnished house at that point. Yeah. And then they reached out to the realtor, the realtor in turn reaching out to the previous owners, letting them know they need to get their shit. And then the next day they find all their shit broken and thrown into the pool. Yes.
1: Like the pool was empty in the backyard. Okay. And it was just filled up with all the furniture and shit. Was just busted up and thrown into the pool, huh? And there was a, never an explanation for that. They never, they never found anything out. Like, never. I
0: mean, the previous owners had never, never went there either. Like, nope. That's that just seems so strange. Like, why? I mean, even if you know, even if it's this alien race uh, or. Species. Ultraterrestrial, whatever you want to call it, because <laughs> no. I know we'll get there. Um, <laughs> so this this being of some sort, <laughs> they just they're just like, oh, we'll take care of it for you. We'll just throw them in the, <laughs> the pool and say, fuck it. No, like why? I mean that that to me, I th- I thought was it stood out a lot. Um, and maybe that was something that something really did not even take it away. Take away from this. But yeah. to me, that stood out quite a bit. Like, why would why would it just be thrown in this empty pool, and why would it just be like you know shot to shit and broken and everything? Like, what uh, you know? Th- there seems to be some type of uh, of deeper meaning into that for me, at least. Right. And maybe I'm again
1: I'm buying into it too much. No, it's a weird as hell. I it think really it's definitely
0: is. weird for sure.
1: Like, my thoughts on that were either. The fellow who comes up who came up initially and you know that's so what that I was about was to get into Haunting next Monsters. yes I may he may have been involved in clearing out the house
0: so did we ever hear back from this guy
1: because no, he took off
0: and it when he basically is you know John tells him like he basically has the has it under control and the guy like you know tells him he's gonna be sorry basically and that was that was yeah. all he ever heard of it. Yeah, then he fucks off. So why, I guess to me, it would make more sense as John to try and reach out to this person that has been in charge of the land. Because what does he know that nobody else knows? Right. What is he doing that is so significant to take care of this property? Like, is he like maybe to me, maybe he's an alien. Maybe, Maybe he's some cast out alien that uh you know is is now trying to prevent anything else from happening. Like, and I know that's that's fishing. That's fishing a lot. Like sure. I'm I'm that's reaching. Okay. I'm reaching a ton. But I like fish. <laughs> <laughs> but so in my reaching here, like just hear me out. So you know, so you think of this guy, he's been in charge of, and we don't know for sure because I'm sure he didn't ask the previous owner, hey, who's this guy that says there claims he's doing this or that or whatever. Right. Like, but at the same time, like, you have this guy that claims to be in charge of securing the property, like, watching over everything. To me, I would have heard him out a little bit. Like, I mean, granted, the dude's walking up with like a fucking machete or something. Yeah, it seems a little sus. But at the same time, like, you know, I mean, John's got a gun. Yeah. You can't bring a knife to a gunfight like it's so that, you know, he already has one up on him. So why not at least like be like, what did you do? Like, what is your job? Like, how do you know the previous people? What you know, what did you like? What did you do here? You know, and at least like is I mean, yeah, granted. If I was in the same situation, I see some weird-ass person coming up and, you know, especially carrying, like, a machete or something, I would probably turn them away, too. Sure. But at the same time, I would at least be curious enough to know, like, what the fuck they're doing there or why they're there.
1: That's why, that's why I added this in the story was because John, like, mentioned in one of the interviews that I watched that, like, sending that guy away was one of the biggest mistakes he made. And that yeah. he literally lay in bed thinking about like, sure. he would literally lay in bed thinking like, what the hell did I do? Like, I could but have had why, an ally in this.
0: Why didn't he contact the previous owner and ask who it was to try and
1: get into touch? Like, and get in touch with him. See, he never got in touch with the previous owner, ever. So
0: I find that I, I find that very crazy like why wouldn't he i mean if it were if it were me again i mean a rational person i would be like hey uh, you know we're like i'm just curious is you know have you ever experienced like you know like at least ask yeah. you know like something because i'm sure that person would be like you know well either that or they're going to be like oh no we never experienced anything we just wanted to move you right. know that that to me but obviously they left in a hurry Due to everything that was left there. So, like, that has to say something. Why did he not ever reach out to them? And why the fuck didn't he try and get a hold of whoever came there to try and help out? Like, yeah, a lot of it just, to me, I I just... Like, get your shit together, bud. You know, that's what it comes down to. Like, I, I don't know. I don't think he was a very... I don't think he really thought things through and i think it took him falling asleep and watching his wife hovering over their bed to really get him to
1: take it seriously right
0: i mean he yeah. had the night where he couldn't move he was basically paralyzed in the bed um and we can chalk that up to sleep paralysis or whatever right sure but obviously it was some you know it was the aliens you know they they've got uh, they've <laughs> got some alien shackles on them. Something, but, you know, that it also could have been, it could have been a, you know, in this case, we can't dismiss the fact that a lot of it is probably, may not have actually been occurring, could have been a, a lot in his head, could have been, you know, like a lot of it, um, like, almost like a mental, uh, I'm trying to think projection. of a word projection yeah you know like something something that's being like sent to him something he's you know something he's overly thinking about it could have been something that he was also uh kind of a little bit of foreshadowing you know is something that uh you know like it just i don't know you know it, it it's hard to really know for sure but you know obviously like uh, you know, that's that's kind of the the angle I think I would I would like to look at. But yeah, it just to
1: me this guy is a dumbass. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's you're taking. What I have to say, the thing is, you're taking a guy who may be level headed and rational, but you're putting him in an extremely irrational situation. Like right. it's really hard to know how you would react and handle a situation until you're in I- it. I
0: suppose you're right. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've not, I've not been there, and it would be entirely different than I, uh, you know, I assume what I would think as of right now, right? Um, and also in, you know, in that particular, in the moment, right? It's going to be a lot different. You know, there's going to be heightened emotions. There's going to be like, you know, just lots of other things that you're also not going to think about a whole lot too. You know, it's going to be that, uh, you know, that you're going to be very defensive. You're going to be very like, you know, whatever else, just trying to trying to protect whatever. But at the same time, after the fact, 20 years is what I'm getting at. 20 years. And his shit never changed. Like no, to me, he's right. just screaming, like, "Yeah, come and get us!" Like, is what else the fuck he's gonna do? Like,
1: no, it's you're right. Twenty years, he should have come up with a strategy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I would think so.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like that. Just I, again, I can't get over the fact that they spent twenty years, literally enduring that weekly, most often nightly. Yeah. And he never did anything differently. That's no, that's where I'm torn.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Now, there's a lot there. Okay. First, I want to tell you my favorite part of the story that I haven't told you yet. Okay? okay. So two weeks after initially going to the press, John was visited by two men dressed in black suits of course he was. Black sunglasses, <laughs> black fedoras. He said they smelled like burnt hair and boiled eggs. <laughs> what? You ready? <clears throat> okay, so he says he saw them walk straight through the metal bars of the corral fence. They ordered him to keep quiet about his activities on the activities on the ranch. And then After the shakedown, instead of walking back the way they'd come, they walked across the field and through the tree line. And then disappeared. I mean, they walked through the tree line. So So apparently now,
0: our men in black are apparitions. Yes. (laughs) That's so silly. We have men in black now. That is so silly. I mean, I love the idea of traditional men in black, but not, I mean, they're real people to me, at least to me. You know, like I see Men in Black as real real people. Whether they're part of some fringe organization, they're part of some ultra terrestrial fucking whatever, like, you know, they're whatever. Like they might be some uh interplanetary uh you know group or something. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that that was trying not to go there, but yes. Yeah. Um, you know, but I don't see them as being basically apparitions,
1: yeah. That can I mean, walk
0: through objects and just disappear into the
1: the mist. Basically, I've heard some pretty weird Men in Black stories, like some high strangeness surrounding them. I don't know that I've ever heard one where they're literally passing through like walls. I've and never fences heard that. No, yeah. But like, I just love that, like. This story nailed the trifecta, right? We have abduction attempt, cattle yeah. mutilation, men oh, in yeah. black. Exactly. Like, I
0: mean, yeah, the major perfect. three. Exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah, I love it. I'm, but I, I do, them smelling bad though is a common thing with men in black. Like, it's super common that they give off this like pungent odor. See, I'm going to go back to Zach Baggins. Okay. And
0: their theory on some type of demonic force. Okay. Sulfur, first of all. Right. Sulfur is a big one. Okay. You have this, uh, I'm assuming it wasn't just like some nice poached egg or like something like that. It was going to be more like a, uh, you know, like of a more rotten egg.
1: Exactly. It
0: might be, it might be like, you know, an omelet with some nice, uh, you know, mix of vegetables. I don't know. But I'm going to assume that's not the case.
1: Probably not. (laughs) This was not an eggs benedict.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, not an eggs benedict. But we have, let's say rotten egg, first of all, boom demon. All right. Boom demon. We have walking through physical objects, apparition, ghost, demon. Yep. And then we have disappearing into the the tree line. That can be chalked up into a lot of things. So let's just cut that out. Yeah. All right. But. So, again, getting back to my traditional sense of men in black. Right. You know, and and I get like I get like the, you know, associating different smells and things like that with um, you with them. Uh, that's where we get back into this ultra terrestrial thing. I'm on board in this case. Okay. You know, that's, that's kind of my thought process, but at the same time, I also, I I love the whole fringe aspect. And I mean, your day to day person's not going to smell like sulfur or rotting eggs or, eggs benedict for that matter unless they just had a good you know continental breakfast exactly But like (laughs) you know to i just uh that i don't know if i buy the whole men in black aspect of this story
1: yeah see a lot of people a lot of skeptics to this guy they say that like he at the very least played it up like he I, added I things agree, to his story. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I honestly I do as cool as this story is, I ha- I'm pretty skeptical of it, to be honest. And there are a few reasons why. Okay. okay. So Let's hear them. The fact that the that the shadow people that he allegedly killed like 18 of them and they just like vanish to the thin air. Yeah, they just, like, phase out like Power Rangers bad guys when he (laughs) kills them. Right, That's a
0: perfect example, yes.
1: Yeah. So that, like, no bodies, 20 years, 18 supposed kills. It's weird, right? You expect some kind of physical evidence.
0: I mean, think of, I mean, as an example, Area 51. And this is very well known. It's nothing to do with this. But... We have documented, literally documented, unidentified bodies, physical bodies. But yet, this guy kills 18 or so, give or take. And all he has is a little bit of brake fluid. Yeah. Like, yeah, I I find that extremely far-fetched.
1: Yeah, it is. It definitely is. So, also there's... The sale of the ranch. Okay. All right. And this, this for me is the most, it's the biggest thing against him being honest, this whole thing being real, or at least that it's not wildly exaggerated. Right. Right. Okay. So the market value of the ranch was a million dollars. Okay. All right. One million. When he sold in 2016, he sold it for $5 million. Five times the market value. Hmm. All right. I'm right there with you. Yep. Yeah. And he had spent the last five years in the press, like, pumping the story up, talking it up. And he is, like... Is this now? My question here is: Is this him just making the best out of a terrible situation, or is it like a really creative marketing plan for his? That's like a five hundred
0: percent return. Exactly, like that.
1: Yeah, it's bullshit. I, I,
0: yeah, you've already turned me. Like you've swayed me now. So I find that that alone makes it extremely difficult to to buy into. Because maybe he was looking to turn a flop like, you know, like, again, that's such a significant return on something like an investment
1: like that they made. Did they actually pay a million for it? Or was that just the that was that's what it was assessed for in the 90s. They bought it in 96 for 500,000. So that's a thousand (laughs) percent. That is
0: a return. Yes. A thousand percent return. Yeah. Like that is nuts. No
1: fucking wonder.
0: I know what I need to do now.
1: <laughs> exactly. No, there is a caveat to that for me. Alright. Which is the fact that someone was willing to pay five million for it suggests to me that maybe the buyer had confirmation of what was going on there.
0: I like, doubt I can't it was confirmation.
1: I mean, maybe they had an experience there themselves,
0: but maybe it was just the idea because you look at all these, quote unquote, haunted properties, right? And they're, they're now very, they're more than ever, literally more than ever. And all these old shitty ass homes going for extremely over market value just due to the fact that they're quote unquote haunted. Um, yep. you know there's been strange occurrences because right. people buy that and like they eat that up,
1: yeah, and it, that is
0: one of the best ways to market something at this point just because of how how mainstream and in the media it's become, and this is something we were talking about before, mm-hmm. like this the whole entire subject has become very you know i mean very open, it's not as taboo as it used to be, yeah, and so. I think that plays a big ass role in this. I mean, especially to return a thousand percent on literally, I mean, just this five hundred thousand investment that this guy made. Um, you know, it, like that is huge. It's huge. Yeah. I mean, he very well could have experienced all this. You know, I'm not trying to dismiss that because personally, I want it to be true. Me too. Because, again, I fucking love aliens. I love abductions. You yeah. know, it's that is my fucking, like, bread and butter of everything that I love. But, in this case, I think it's been taken extremely out of, not out of context, but out of, like, just reality. Yeah, blown out of proportion. And been turned into, extremely, and been turned into something that is just literally a marketing ploy.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I mean to me what this screams is exaggeration. I feel like I mean this wasn't a guy who was super into paranormal stuff. It of wasn't course, a yeah. guy who was, you know, I think that they may have had some experiences. They got spooked when they decided to to move on to sell. They were like how can we get as much out of this property as possible? And overly embellish right? every single yeah. aspect of it, exactly. Yeah. That I mean that that makes the most sense to me. I'm not saying nothing ever happened,
0: right? And, and yeah, and that's that's what I'm saying too. Like, you know, I mean, obviously something stemmed from something here. Like, you know, whether it be just the whole them finding all the shit in the back in the pool, yeah, you know, destroyed. Like, maybe that was, like, one of those, like, uh, you know, a little bit of sugar in the frosting. And then, you know, and then he wakes one night to see some shadowy shadowy figures. And that's the yep. icing on the cake. And the sugar in the frosting has, you know, already been in there. Yeah. So, like, you know, it like, that could be just a little bit of kind of both. Do I buy in the whole his wife you know, being sucked up in this beam of light and all the little portals and stuff like that. Probably sure. not. Yeah. I mean, cause why would, why would there be portals? Uh, first of all, unless they're literally like black holes that lead into an entirely different dimension.
1: That's maybe possible. They're, I mean, you know. maybe this, maybe this little ranch is like grand central station for aliens. Maybe hear me out. Maybe it's another hot spot. <laughs> it is a fucking hot spot, all right? Honestly, this is like I mean, less than an hour yeah. from the Phoenix lights. Uh, the Phoenix? It's, yes. Oh. It's um, it's an hour in the other direction to get to Snowflake, where Travis Walton, where the Travis Walton abduction happened. Okay, yeah. Like, it's, yeah, it's a hot spot. I, I mean, yeah. The Southwest is a hot spot. (laughs) The Southwest US is a hot spot and it's the desert It's like every fucking
0: thing is a hot spot. Doesn't matter where it's at where you know what it is, it's a hot spot. I wonder if
1: like some douches in another galaxy are doing a podcast going like Earth is a hot spot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. And I hope they listen to us. And mocking them and they're like yeah. these fucking guys <laughs> exactly yes i literally hoping i uh, ho- hope that all of our plays and our downloads are just these guys just like telling all their friends listen to these fucking you know <laughs> these, these dumbasses
1: <laughs> exactly saying no, everything's but like, a hot spot they don't even know right they haven't even seen hot spots <laughs> Oh <laughs> shit you a damn hot spot exactly, so no, but like honestly, if you listen to him talk, if you listen to John Edmonds talk, like recount his experiences, it's really hard not to believe him like does he
0: does he at least like maintain and keep yes. the same it's same exactly story, the same. never changes like there's yep. never been any like. Slight, you know, falsification anything to it.
1: Nope, it's he's been very consistent and he comes across as like super grounded and logical. Like, he tells these like fantastic stories, right? Of like these wild things happening, but like he tells it from a very like logical, like the way he tells the story, it's very like I did this, then I did this, and like every step of the story, he's not just trying to
0: play it basically,
1: yeah, okay, and like. Also, you can tell when he talks about it, you can tell that the experience has fucked with him psychologically a little bit, like that he's like emotionally impacted by the stories he's, he's very believable. I don't, maybe he's like a really, really good salesman, but he, this
0: dude isn't just like high on like peyote or something like that (laughs) out here in the desert. Like, I mean, man, it's a possibility. It's an extreme possibility. I mean, yeah. he's literally just imagine. I mean, I, you know, again, I'm not trying to dismiss, but you know, I drugs I, are always an option. I yeah. I mean that. I think honestly that can literally explain a lot. But so, uh, you had said that Zach Baggins was it an actual episode of like Ghost Adventures or?
1: I believe it was Ghost Adventures. I watched it I Actually, I want to check it I'm, out for sure. I watched it online, so I'm not sure if it was Ghost Adventures or if it was like on their YouTube channel. Maybe it was like an extra something. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I'll find. I it mean, he has this like get. whole like whatever organization now. So yeah. sure, his buy everything cool. special, so no one can go to it. Organization. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: and yeah, you know, it's. I, I want to check it out because I actually want to. Because do they actually interview John as well? Yes, in the show yep that's that's what i want to hear because i think like i think that'll help solidify like or you know maybe it'll swim in a a different direction i don't know yeah Um, no john
1: john did a lot of interviews he did you can find radio interviews with him you can find tv interviews he did that one with what was it called the one where you see the little dude pop out from from behind the corner um the camelot project yeah that's
0: yeah that's what he said
1: yeah, and that's a pretty long interview. I watched that one too. That one was like 35 minutes. They okay. Did. Yeah. Yeah,
0: no, I'm I'm interested. Just I would I would love to know more. And I think make a make more of an educated uh assumption assessment. Uh more of an assessment, yeah. Um but, you know, obviously where we are right now like I I don't know if I buy into it. No, it's a bit, it's a bit far fetched for me to believe. And I want to, I really, really want to, but See,
1: it's. I don't know if it's like, I don't know if it's silly of me or if it's, I don't know. I don't know if I'm just, it's a lack of objectivity or what, but like when someone profits off their story, I find it so much more difficult to believe them. It makes it makes the information that much less significant
0: right it's to me like
1: personally yeah well it makes you question their motives right Oh yeah like, without a doubt if, if like a, a weird dude's wife dies and there's a million dollar life insurance policy, you're gonna assume things you wouldn't if it was just if Every, there was no life even, insurance even right any
0: normal person would question that right without a doubt. Yeah, and it's the same in this case. A thousand percent return yeah. on literally a five hundred thousand investment. Like it's insane. That is insane. But maybe he just got lucky. Yeah. You know, let's look at that aspect of it. Maybe he got lucky and there was some interested buyer that just wants to and just as me. Wants to investigate. You know. It. I love the idea of abductions. i hope to i hope to be part of one one day (laughs) (laughs) it's probably never happened because i'm literally one of the most least i guess least interesting people uh i don't know what the fuck they'd want to you know abduct me for
1: but still i mean john and joyce Edmonds, you think they're like fascinating intellectuals the wife obviously had something going on maybe i don't know i mean maybe I, i don't think she was like a secret phd or anything I don't know. I,
0: I wasn't thinking that uh, that that part. I was thinking maybe you know they're they're uh, wanted to use her for breeding. Who oh, knows? Wow. Maybe they want to make some alien human hybrids. Which they're out there. They're definitely out there.
1: <laughs> Are they? Yeah. It's probably her, her
0: offspring.
1: It's probably the goat man that we covered last week.
0: <laughs> He's probably one of them.
1: But still, no. But it's. I mean the the profiteering i i like to think that like that he got 5 million for this because that that's just like the universe writing a wrong you know what i mean that like these poor people were tortured for two decades and like here's the universe giving you some form of payment for that some type of you know compensation I mean? right yeah, like exactly. you know
0: yeah i i i mean yeah i love that idea that's what i and like I think, to think exactly i think that would be great yeah but i highly doubt that that is the case
1: yeah me too
0: unfortunately
1: <laughs> honestly i think some shit happened and they used it they capitalized on it when it was time to sell the ranch i think so yep. that's what i think
0: I'm right there with you. Uh, as much as I hate to be, I'm I'm right there with you. It's like I said, I'm, I'm going to after this, I'm going to go and watch some interviews with John and see if I can, you know, I'm a pretty good judge of character. I'd like to think. Yeah. You know, I can often tell if somebody's bullshitting or not. You know, sure. obviously, like, you know, I, who knows in this case? I can't say. Yeah. I will never be able to say, but I can at least make an educated decision at that point.
1: Well, if it change your, changes your opinion at all, we'll update on social media. <laughs>
0: we'll have to read in this entire episode. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, now that I've heard the story, now that I've made yeah. this decision, let's talk about it again.
1: Or we'll just update on the next episode. Yeah, right. Yeah, we can definitely do that. And just take a minute to talk about it. if it. I mean, if it changes anything. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check out the uh, the
0: zach baggins investigation because he's going to be coming up as well on another episode yeah um you know so might as well throw him out there um but yeah it's like i i absolutely love the story and i i think it's just super fun i love I, i loved the whole angle not not angle but the part yeah. Of the wife, like, floating and being, like, literally in the beam of, I mean, that's so, it's so classic. cliche in classic alien abduction yes. that it just, it, yeah, it made for a perfect, perfect arc of the story. Um, yeah, I love but it. But yeah, unfortunately, lo- I'm just not on board.
1: Yeah, I I really like it because it's like, um you know, Stardust Ranch is almost like Skinwalker Ranch is, like weird little sister (laughs) like that's gonna take a lot though to be i mean i mean it's not weirder than skinwalker ranch but like no it's like a small version it's like a small version of it right yeah so that's what initially when i saw it i was like another one let's (laughs) see about this yeah yeah no doubt it's not quite another one but it's a cool story
0: and it, you said it was in, it was it was in Arizona, right yeah, and with like Phoenix lights and you know being very close proximity to like maybe they are just playing off of that whole that whole thing maybe I mean Phoenix Lights was in 90 90 something was it 90, 90... oh man why can't I think right now uh yeah, it was in the 90s though, so very it was still very fresh yeah by this point because this is the 96 I believe yeah 96 to that's when they 2016. moved in yeah yeah so you know at that point you know why not play off of that card a little bit or maybe it's genuinely
1: correlated maybe it is if this is where yeah. you know if all these portals now are we're getting back up, into this argument <laughs> i know but like that's the eternal argument right because we, really don't, we don't we yeah. don't know if all these portals are popping up on their property, maybe that's where all the ships that we're seeing in the Phoenix lights. Are I mean, coming but we've from. also talked about
0: a lot of these like rainbow vortexes and all these sure. random vortexes throughout the uh, throughout the US. Yeah. And also Rainbow Vortexes like in the UK and you know, so on and so forth. Um, but all these specific vortexes, quote unquote portals. Yeah, maybe that's part of it you know because it, it, just as we've discussed in the, the black forest and and also um, you know other episodes what was it uh, Kushtaka, yep. I, I, one of them or yeah, the alaskan the vortex yep um, you know so like maybe these portals that this guy is seeing are actual these uh, actually these vortexes and these vortexes i personally and again, I know we're getting back into it, but these vortexes I want to think are a means to travel between worlds, whether okay. that's the world of the living and the, you know, the dead, whether that's the world of, uh, another, um, uh, and what would it be? Uh, you know, not just extraterrestrial, ultra terrestrial, but would it be interterrestrial? Um, at that point, I'm not so sure what you mean. Like, I, going- so I'm thinking, I'm thinking of you know, we have multiple, uh, multiple dimensions, right? Sure, and then anybody from another dimension could be quote unquote an alien, yeah. So it'd be interdimensional, sure,
1: which, is, so- basically ultra-terrestrial, right? <laughs> which is basically That's- an ultra terrestrial, right? It's basically an ultra
0: yeah, yeah, I, you're right, you're right. So uh, you know like and i th- i think a vortex is being just that a means to travel between worlds whether it be any of those right
1: a gateway a bridge a liminal space like literally, yeah, yeah. exactly yeah
0: so maybe that's maybe that's what he was seeing maybe i but mean just the idea i mean just the idea of like the ships and then the military craft and stuff flying between these portals and stuff just you know, it made it a little a little bit far fetched to me, but that would at least give some type of explanation.
1: Yeah, it's weird to me that like this man and woman are just like chilling on their back porch watching like a a damn extraterrestrial like Blue Angels performance in their back <laughs> right. forty. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it seems like no a doubt. lot. That's that's I what agree. like makes it seem so exact. I mean, it literally seems exaggerated. Like, yeah, if you were I, to take an alien experience and exaggerate it, it would look just like this story. <laughs> I think so. Because again, we hit we
0: hit all all three of our majors. Yep. Yep. You know, like uh, so abduction,
1: it, right? Cattle mutilation, black, yeah, exactly. Yep. The
0: only other thing we didn't hit were crop circles.
1: Right, no crops You know, any, but they didn't have crops. Of, <laughs> so. Well yeah,
0: I mean they yeah, they just you know, it's uh, unlike cattle mutilation we had or yeah. Yeah. So it's
1: that yeah, first it's, that first horse mutilation freaked me out though when I was reading it about it. Like, what was you
0: said it was strangled by like a a a pole or something that was bent?
1: Yeah, it's like an inch thick iron fence post was ripped out of the ground and wrapped around the horse's neck and strangled it. That's so crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 a bit nuts. Yeah, now what's weird to me here again is that they had all these supposed horse mutilations, but there's no there's no um, veterinarian coming out saying I examined these horses. True, like did a post mortem on these horses, and I know that they that that's common practice for cattle mutilation is to actually have yeah. a, a veterinarian come out and document, do an autopsy on the animal. There's none. And of also, that like with this the guy.
0: police, like the police, like investigations or whatever, when they couldn't find anything, how did they not want to look further into that too?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And they never called like, the police about the supposed vandalism that started all of it. Right. Oh,
0: man. See, every little bit just adds to my, my not buying yeah. it. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
1: It's a bummer. It's a bummer for sure. But it is, because it's like such said, a fun oh, story.
0: It really is. I, I mean, oh. the
1: fictional ones usually are. <laughs>
0: I just love the classic abduction. Yeah, that to me is the, my favorite part of every like this whole thing. Right, it's just that this classic, very cliche abduction scene. That is, right,
1: that image of her beautiful. like in the nightgown with her arms and the gown kind of draping down by her sides as she's oh, floating dude. in the light beam. That's a damn T-shirt right there. Yeah, that's what we should. We should. Yeah. There's
0: a a couple surprisingly well done current movies that have been done like that with very, very classic abductions, which I mean, I won't get into. I'm not I'm not trying to, like, you know, rep any specific (laughs) movies or anything, but you've just seen it done well recently when it's done and it's done well. It's fucking perfect. Yeah. And in this story, that was done beautifully. Yeah.
1: Well thank you. And <laughs>
0: that's that's why that's why I want to buy into it, but I
1: can't. Yeah, I'm it hurts glad. I, me. I'm glad I wrote such a compelling abduction scene. You
0: you painted a you painted a good, you know, a picture pretty well. Excellent. Awesome. Well I uh, yeah, I think we're both in agreement.
1: Yes. Sweet. Yeah, unfortunately, I think it's highly exaggerated. Same. If anything happened at all, I think it was probably nothing compared to the story they gave. Oh, not at all. Not at all. He like I know we're like nearing the wrap up, but like the he even used like the they called them Barilo men or whatever, the like giant yeah. um the
0: Sasquatchy yes.
1: like uh yes. Yeah. That he,
0: yeah, that was another thing I meant I meant to meant to mention, but
1: it's I like he tried, it. it's like he tried everything he could to get people from every part of, like, oh, paranormal Oh, I'm sure this dude did his homework. Yeah. yeah.
0: I, I mean, what else is he gonna do out there while he's taking care of some injured horses? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> might as well just look up this shit. We had, to, we had a couple of weird things happen, so... Yeah. Oh, this is it. This is it. You know, I'm going to start diving into these fucking weird ass, like, you know, other arcs and things that shouldn't even be part of it. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think he definitely did his homework. I mean, he's if, got if like nothing. The guy is, uh, you know, thorough. And thorough, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean,
1: he's got the UFOs to pull in the ufology scene, right? He's got. These like shadow Sasquatch to try to bring in like cryptozoologists, maybe. He's got, you know, old baggins came in to try to pull in the ghost crowd. Like Our
0: stinky men in black. Also, you know?
1: who the hell bought this? There's no like there's no information on who paid the five million dollars for the They were ranch.
0: probably like a uh you know, uh whatever like shadow investor or whatever they're called. Yeah. Uh, that's what I would assume. Maybe it was the bagman himself. I was gonna say maybe it was <laughs> Zach Baggins himself. Yeah, <sighs> I would not be surprised whatsoever. Me neither.
1: Well, we'll know if they like if they launch a two thousand square foot gift shop in the front of it. Then we'll know <laughs> that it was Baggins that bought or it. Or
0: a documentary labeled Alien House. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> uh alien house okay so i think yeah we're pretty much in agreement i think so and that concludes episode 11 stardust ranch thank you thank you thank you from the bottom of our weird possibly alien maybe ghostly probably cryptid hearts for listening we absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week And it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. We want to get to know
0: each and every one of you. So please come and check us out on all the socials. At campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook. At campfire.totsau on Twitter. And you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it.
1: It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And a special thank you, as always, to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram um, for his song Dying Star. That's from the EP Interstellar. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers, stay weird and trust in the unknown. unknown.